Hey guys, Dr. Joe Simon here. Super excited to have you on this episode. You're going to get some amazing insights, some amazing information. I think we've been saying it all the time, but when you hear it again and you hear it from a different person, from a different point of view, you're going to be amazed by this stuff. Before we dive in though, wanted to say thank you. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the five-star reviews. And absolutely, thank you for the responses that I've gotten for the new website. Uh, really means a lot to me, guys. I appreciate all the love. Uh, if you know anyone that's selling their practice or if they're starting a practice, shoot me a message. These are the things I specialize in. This is what I want to do. It doesn't matter what profession you're in, if you're, sell- if you're selling your practice or if you're starting a practice. would love to have a conversation with you and we can schedule a quick 15-minute phone call to really see if I can help you and how we can guide you in the right path. Again, guys, enjoy the episode. And as always, shoot me a message on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the 30 and 30 podcast, where business owners and practitioners at the top of their game share the keys to their success with your host, Dr. Joe Simon. Hey everyone, welcome to the 30 and 30. This is your host, Dr. Joe Simon. On the phone with me today is a good friend, Philip Stutz. Phil has more than 20 years of political and business marketing experience. His book, Fire Them Now, The Seven Lies Digital Marketers Sell and the, and the Truth About Political Strategies That Help Businesses Win is absolutely a game changer, guys. If you have not picked this book up, make sure you check it out. But before we go anywhere else, Phil, I'm happy to have you on the show. would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and let them know a little more about yourself. Man, I, uh, I, thanks, Joe. Listen, I'm really honored to be on here. You do amazing work, and I love your service mentality. So uh, this pleasure is all mine. I'm Listen, I'm a redneck kid from Alabama uh, who uh, decided I had, to, I had too much ADD in me. I was one of the first generation of ADD kids, so I'm 45 now. So I was diagnosed in 1989, and they threw a bunch of Ritalin at me and put me on a bunch of medications. And the reason they did it is because they told me I wasn't smart, uh, that this was a problem, that I was uh, deficient in some way. Um, and, you know, I've come to realize in the last, you know, 35 years uh, that my attention deficit disorder is my greatest strength. And so over the, what I really realized out of, you know, when I was a terrible student um, in school, when I, I was my senior year of college, I said, I, I can't get into a job that I'm, that doesn't make me passionate in my life. And I have to be purpose-driven and passionate. And I did, I made the decision to go into political marketing. And, and that was back in 1996 uh, I've worked on um, a ton of presidential campaigns, three winning presidential campaigns, uh, worked on uh, over 1,200 uh, political marketing victories of candidates that won through our political marketing, worked with Fortune 200 companies, started multiple businesses, uh, had a ton of failures along the way, um, but uh, the ADD kid is a little resilient, so uh, made my comebacks along the way, and uh, ultimately, I saw this massive disruption going on in the marketplace and especially in marketing um, over the last few years. I saw you know, the digital marketing space come into play. I saw every marketing agency in the world teaching the same 
techniques to the same businesses having little or mixed results. Um, and so I started talking to business owners, Joe, and I talked to a hundred business owners for the book from fortune 500 CEOs to small businesses. Every single one of them had fired a marketing agency sometime in their life cycle of their business. They, they kept telling me the same things over and over. They said, you know, we paid a marketing agency a bunch of money. We had this like long 12 month contract with them. We couldn't break. They didn't uh, serve us very well. They wouldn't return phone calls. They told us we had to spend a ton of money and we saw no ROI. And all of a sudden I went, they're winning every time, but you're not winning. How, how is that ethical? And it's strange as this sounds, this is going to sound so strange. The way we run political marketing campaigns and politics is the complete opposite. It's the most ethical business out there. And, and I lay that out in the book about how businesses should be aware of the lies that marketers are selling. And then how can they reverse engineer the game so that they win before the marketing agency wins. And, you know, I've built uh, two marketing agencies based on this formula alone. <laughs> and one of them has grown 25,000% in four years. Uh, and the uh, that's the political marketing agency. Uh, our corporate marketing agency, they're totally separate, uh, will have a 10x this year from what we did last year. And it's all because we put the priority of the business owner first, and we only make money if they succeed first. You know, I'm, Phil, I'm so happy you said that because when I was reading your book, First of all, going through it, you know, and we're going to jump into every aspect of this because, you know, I love it. I resonate so well to it. But, you know, you already know this because I was one of those business owners, right? I was the guy that back in 2012, after my business was destroyed by Hurricane Sandy, I hired a marketing company to think, you know, like, hey, maybe we got to get back. We got to fight our way back. And, you know, and I was locked into a contract and I had to pay them out. But it was like one of those things where you look at it and you say, you know, I had a $15 an hour marketing assistant that worked for me at the time that I hired, and she generated way more leads than the so-called marketing company, right? And I'm like, how is that possible? I'm paying you like thousands of dollars a month, and I pay her $15 an hour. Shouldn't there be expertise? Shouldn't there be some kind of, you know, and that was my eye-opening to the world of marketing, obviously, and that's where I was just like, hey, look, I all those years of studying marketing and copywriting and ads and let me let me put that to good use but i mean it, look we i represent the healthcare space right so there's doctors that listen to this chiropractors physical therapists and i gotta tell you they get taken advantage of all the time i mean the i go to a marketing event and soon they go oh you uh you do marketing for doctors i said oh, not really but they go oh yeah they're, they're the best clients they never ask questions they love to shell out money you know, and these are the comments that I get at these at these events. And I just stare at them. I'm like, is that how you run a business? It's crazy. Totally <laughs> so let, let's dive in. Now. I'm so happy you said that. Let's dive in. I mean, you know, one of the things I really want to touch on, you had the seven lies the digital marketers tell you, right? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> what I really liked was number seven. Yeah, if you brand it, they will come. Like, right. So let, let's go off on that for a little bit. I, I love that one. If you brand it, they will come. So, you know, a lot of marketers love to spend a ton of money on the branding side because there's no way to actually measure the results. So they get a, you know, they, they go, you know, and listen, branding is important. I am not saying it's not important. In fact, we demand that the, the clients that we work with 
if they have a terrible brand that we need to refocus that. And I'll walk through that process in a minute. But when a marketing agency just comes to you and says, you've got, oh man, this is, you've got a great company. All right. The first thing we're going to do, we're going to rebrand the company and we're going to spend hundreds of thousands or five figures, six figures, seven figures on your brand. And we're going to tell you how to do, it's going to look so amazing and you're going to be so excited. And they, they get people just totally, you know, stoked. They're like, you've got to do this. They spend all this money and they haven't converted one customer. And they did it because it's the way the marketing agency can make money and there's no accountability. And so, um, I, you know, I, uh, I'm actually kind of working through the next book right now. And I kind of talk about where the branding process comes in that formula, where it's important. But the first thing, it's not important as the first step. In fact, it's the biggest one of the, you know, it's interesting, Joe, no one has ever asked about this in over 150 book interviews to this point. So I love talking about it. So, um, but I also think that, you know, and we can get to this in a minute, what I'd like to do, and I've never talked about it before, but lay out sort of the five-step formula that has literally every client we've worked with has worked. Uh, they have grown their bottom line every time they've eliminated 70, everybody's got a little risk. They've eliminated a massive amount of risk before they started converting customers. And part of that, the branding process is third in that process, not first. And so if you hear a marketing agency say, hey, we're, first of all, we're going we're gonna to come in and spend all this money on your brand before you know what even the customers think, that is a complete lie. That is a red flag. And for me, it's completely unethical. I love that, man. And absolutely, they, uh, just going through that five-step formula to understand a business owner, right? So, I mean, most doctors or, and business owners, practice owners, they look at it and they say, hey, it's about me, right? Uh, that's because that's where they get that's where they get taken right away, right? They're like, well, you know, I do have all this expertise. I have all this skill set. I think the world should know more about me. Why shouldn't they have pictures of me all over the place? And I want to and I'm not going to say their names, but there's a company that um, I'm, uh, I, I know. I don't work with them, but it's a friend's company. And the last few days on Facebook, I've just been seeing pictures of him constantly. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, obviously it's the, you know, he has the logo on and stuff like that, but it, there, there's no copy. There is nothing. It'll get the, hey, check out our new office. Right. How would you explain this to somebody out there? And let's just use my well, friend John yeah, here we, as an example. We have medical clinics. <coughs> we, we, we have uh, podiatry clinics. We have uh, wellness centers, chiropractors that we work with. And this is – I'm going to walk through the formula. You ready? Because it's – Let's go. There's a crazy uh, similarity. So here's the thing. The formula that I have used for 24 years to get presidents elected, senators, governors – is the same formula that doctors use on their patients. It's the same formula that, Joe, what's your favorite sports team? Uh, I would say the New York Knicks, which pretty much suck, but it's all right. All right. It's the same formula <laughs> the New York Knicks uh, used to win championships in the 70s. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> uh, like if I just say the Giants, it's the same formula the Giants used to win the Super Bowl. And guess who doesn't use this formula? Business owners and business marketers. And so when we've brought this formula to businesses to market their business, we we call it, it's called the, we call it, now I've decided to name it the undefeated marketing system because 
every one of our clients has grown their bottom line by utilizing it. And here is how it works. Uh, and I'm going to tell you how doctors use it, and I'll tell you how sports teams use it. And, and I'll tell you, first, I'm going to start by politics. In politics, a, a candidate comes to me and says, I want to run for office. I say, that's awesome. Why do you want to run for office? They say, I have 10 things I want to run on. I want to talk about taxes, environmental issues, whatever, you know. And I go, that's amazing. Love that you're passionate. Why don't we go and take a poll in the district and find out what the voters think? Now, I'm not talking about CNN polls of the horse race. Who's winning? Who's losing? That's not. Those are all. Sorry to do this. It's total fake news. Don't believe that stuff. What we do is scientific. We get down and figure out what the voters care about. The voters are more important to me than anything else. Now, typically what we find is the voters in that district to get that candidate over the finish line to win on election day, care about one to two to three things total. What I do is I match those one to two things with the 10 things the candidate find that loves. I'll find what, you know, where those, where they have alignment. So let's say we have two things that we have an alignment where the candidate is very passionate and the voter is, is absolutely rock solid, cares about that issue. That is the data we use data to determine what our voters think. And then we launch a strategic plan, which is step two. First is the data. Second is strategic plan. Now that we know what the voters think, we're going to start putting our marketing plan together because we know what we have to market to now. We know the message we're going to market to. The third step, right, is to use that data to, all right, now we're back on the original, to rebrand the company based on what the customer, well, in the business sense, what the customer thinks. In politics, it's what the uh, voter thinks. So the website has the language that resonates with the voter, the creative, the videos, all, all funnel into what the, what the voter wants and what they want in a candidate. The fourth step is that we go out and test all of our messages. So we know that there are these one or two messages that work. Well, of those one or two messages, there are a million ways to skin that cat. You can message it a ton of different ways. And what we know is that we test many of those things. We're going to find one or two messages that are going to crush. They're going to bring people into the campaign. They're going to bring people in as supporters. They're going to bring them in as donors. They're going to bring them into the political campaign. And then once we know the tech out of the, out of the, let's say the 10 concepts, 10 messages we test, we know two or three of them are, are the highest converting voter test tested messages, then we're going to really launch our full investment into those voters. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So you, so here's how doctors use it because I use this with my doctor right now that my, I have a, there's a a doctor, Dr. Stephen Gundry is a New York times bestseller. He is my doctor. And when he got me under his care, the first thing he did is he took 120, he took blood tests to find out 127 results on inside my blood. Wow. He had, he had the data now. Okay. And the data said I was doing well on some things. I was being, I had, it was sort of in a neutral you know, spot in some things and I had some dangerous indicators. And so he said, Philip, we're going to change your diet. By the way, now, now that he has the data, he's going to set a plan for me. Right. And he, the data, the blood test is the data. Now he's going to set a plan. The third step is he says, Philip, you got to start exercising more. This is my brand, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I start exercising more. So I feel better. I look better. Then we 
put supplements in a diet in place. Six months later, he goes back step four and tests everything again. And what we found was what was working, what needed to be, what, you know, supplements, even more supplements I needed to take, what supplements I needed to stop taking. And then I now launch out into what my diet is for the rest of my life. It's the same formula doctors use. It's the same formula politicians use. Sports teams, they first study the data of their opponents all week long. They, they watch film. They figure out. They put a game plan together, step two, step three. They look good. They have jerseys. They've got to market their, their, their team, all that. Step four, they practice all week. That's testing, right? They test the plays. They figure out what plays would work against that specific teams or what plays they need to stop a specific team on defense. They figure it all out, and then they go. they launch the game, and then they go win. Here's the thing. That formula, everybody in political marketing uses that formula. So it is a doggy dog world. In medical, in medicine, everybody uses that formula for their patients. In sports, everybody uses that formula to win. If you don't use that formula, you lose. A football can't, coach can't coach eight games out of 12 and take their other four off. It doesn't work that way. In business, nobody is doing this. So if you're a business owner and you take those four steps, find out what the customer data says, your customer data says. And I built, uh, built, uh, created a partnership with the largest data collection and analytics company in America. We can take any customer data you have, overlay it, track those people for 30, 45 days, find out what they do, not what they say, what they do. And then I can ascertain how they think, how they feel, their top values in life why they make purchasing decisions. I can find out because we're tracking them where, what platforms they go onto and in what order. So if you're a doctor out there and you're saying, well, they say I need to have a Facebook presence. How do you know that? What if your customers are not on Facebook? Good point. I tell you that. And that's what the data does. Once we get the data back, we build a strategic marketing plan for that company. And then we say, look, the data says your customers want to feel this way. They, you know, we just did uh, one of these data reports for uh, a chiropractic clinic. And what we found was that their customer base was very family and religious oriented. That family was incredibly important. This particular chiropractic clinic had never marketed to say, I am here because you should have a long life that serves your family. Like they didn't use any of the language that the customer wanted to hear. They only talked about, like you said earlier, how great they were. That's not what the customer wants. So you must find what the customer wants. And you must brand your company a certain way only when the data backs it up. Then you're going to test all those messages on a low-cost scale to figure out what works the best. I can get – and I've rambled for a long time, but I will happily in this testing phase – Step four, I'm happily will walk through a couple examples, real life examples of people of companies we've done it for that will blow your mind. And then once we find out what messages test the best from the data, we say it's time to make a real investment in your marketing. Now, this goes back to everything I'm saying. I'm not making any money. I'm breaking even with the business the whole time until we know it works. And then we go spend money. To now that we know it works, we go spend money to convert more customers at a lower cost and a higher conversion rate and grow the business. And that is the formula. 
Nobody in marketing is using it. 99% of marketers do not follow this formula. Well, I mean, Phil, the, the, the thing that you're doing is you're taking the risk away, completely away, right? You put the risk on yourself and you're saying, hey, guys, listen, I'll assume all the risk because I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is kind of deal, right? So all the risk is technically on you until you show them that you're converting, until they get a patient, they get a customer, they get a client, right? It really, that's the way to do it. Um, Joe, amazing. Joe, yeah. 100%. And I even go further. The first month you work for, with me, money back guarantee if you're not satisfied. And one of the lies in the book that I'll lay out is I've never, not one time in 24 years, have I ever had a contract that was not month to month. You can fire me at any time if I'm not serving you. Anytime. The onus is on me to succeed. How many marketing agencies out there are saying, we will only do month-to-month contracts because either we prove it to you every month or we're out of business. Yeah, that's a, that's a big fat zero, to be honest with you. There's, uh, not to, even, even the friends in the industry that I know, um, and you know, not to knock them, it's, they're running a business too, right? So, I mean, I see how they run their business. So, like I say, it's, it's, it's each to, to each their own, right, about their business. But, well, uh, here's the deal. How much more successful can I be if I put my client's needs above my own? They will stay with me longer. They'll be more loyal. They'll grow their business. If they grow their business, I can make a lot of money, but only until they grow their business. That's the only difference. You're preaching to the choir, man. You're preaching to the <laughs> choir. But that, I want our audience to listen today, and I hope they're getting a lot from this because it's, it's amazing to hear, right, when you actually apply what we always say, right? If you apply that, you know, give them a guarantee, right, or you, you apply that fact of just taking the risk away from them, how it really, obviously, we all understand it. it's grown your business by, you know, one business by 10x and the other business by some obscene number that I haven't even heard of. But it's one of those things, right? That's awesome, dude. So, but there's one thing I want to go back to because I think most, most in healthcare don't realize that they have the data, right? But I'm going to play devil's advocate, Phil. So, this is what you're going to hear. You're going to get Dr. John Doe on the phone. He's going to say, Hey, Phil, I, I heard you on the podcast. I love everything you say. But to be honest, you know, I, I can't afford that kind of you know, that data company to get all that stuff for me. You know, I have a patient list. I have some demographics, you know, but what data do you really need, right? Like what data, right? And they're confused by that. So yeah. I'll let you take it from there and uh, kind of explain to them. Sure. They really have gold right in their in their hands and they don't realize it. They have all the gold in their hands and you can skin the cat a million different ways. The way I did it and the, the decision I made was, about two years ago, I said, this is my business model. It is going to be hard as hell <laughs> to try to convince people to do it the right way. But then I realized in the process, Joe, that it it actually filters out all the potential business owners that don't want to grow the proper way. If you don't want to understand what the customer thinks first in your marketing, actually, you're going to waste my time. It's going to be, I'm going to be chasing you down rabbit holes. Uh, you're never going to do the right thing. It's just not worth my time. So it actually ended up being the greatest filter for having serious, committed business owners that want to grow the right way. What a business owner, so what I did was I, I went out and spent six figures. I spent over $250,000 on a licensing agreement with this data company, I'm the only marketing agency in America that has it. And the reason I did that is so that I could return, offer it to our clients at a steeply discounted price, a massively discounted price. 
because if I get enough clients, then I'll break even, right? Or eventually down the road, you know, we, we can turn a profit on it. But that was the reason I did it because the question you asked is exactly the problem with a lot of business owners. They go, well, I can't afford a quarter of a million dollars to find out the data on my company. I said, good, I'll take that risk and then I'll offer it to you. It literally, um, we, we charge probably around $4,500, $5,000 for that one project. I've done, you know, hundreds of them at this point uh, for clients. And I've never had a client not jaw drop to the ground and go, I didn't realize that. Or a lot of them said, I, I've always known that, but the data confirmed it. And I'll give you an example. We worked with a supplement company and a health food company, and they had they had oh god they had like 150,000 customer records. But listen, I can deal with customer if you have 5,000 customer records, that's enough. But we had like they had over 100,000, and um, so we did the data report. We tracked all the movements of their customers, and people can say, oh, that's so creepy. Actually, I'm trying to market properly. I want your customers are I want to market to what the customers care about, not you know, use their data for nefarious reasons. So we found out in the data of this of the supplement company that their customers were 50% of their customer base was vegan or vegetarian. 50. Now, again, oh, that sounds obvious because it's a health food slash supplement company, right? But unless you looked at the data and tracked these people and found out what they ordered and all that stuff, you would never know it. We also found out that their customer base hated hated soda again obvious but how in the hell would you know soda <laughs> would, yeah. would be the one thing that sticks out so for me i was like oh my gosh we're running ads on the vegan vegetarian products and you know highlighting vegan vegetarian and i'm in politics we do a lot of what we call negative advertising you've seen it mm-hmm. most people hate it i get it I'm not talking about that. I call it comparative advertising. In fact, I call it comparatizing. Finding an issue or finding a topic that your customer base will never be offended by, but you could go pick a fight. It draws loyalty from the customer that from from the customer, and you convert more. And so, what we found, I said, the supplement company, we should be doing negative ads or comparatizing ads, comparative advertising on soda. And talk about how this health food company and the supplement company is, you know, a a higher standard and God, soda is the worst thing in the world, right? So we ended up in that step four, that step testing stage. We just tested 10 concepts for this company that we found in the data. Of the 10, the number two ranked highest converting ad that we tested was the vegan vegetarian ad. Okay, number two. The number one ad, and I'm only going to compare it to the number two ad, the vegan vegetarian. The number one ad was the was the anti-soda ad. If I'm to compare it to the number two, the vegan vegetarian ad, it had a two x click through rate. It could it, it click through uh, the customers click through two times more than the vegetarian vegan ad. Two times more. They converted at a 20% higher rate than the vegetarian vegan ad we ran. And it cost less money in the t- in, in overall for the negative ad or the comparative advertising ad. It cost less money to run that ad than it did the vegan vegetarian ad and every other ad we tested. Why? Because we found in the data, and we find this everywhere, that customers want a deeper connection with the things that they invest in. 
it, it's across the board. And marketing firms should be trying to find the key points in a customer's life or a patient's life that where they can make a deeper connection. And you know this better than anybody. Nobody is clicking on any kind of ad out there that they don't know the product, they don't know the service, and there are a million ads in front of them all day long. They, they literally, 99.9% of those ads never get clicked through unless there's something really interesting about it. And so what we try to do in the data is find what's really interesting, and we've had massive results because of that. All right, we're back. I had a little microphone difficulty, but we're back. Uh, just wanted to get back into the question you also raised in while we we're doing this. And I love the comparative advertising, first of all. So that that gave me – I was writing like a beast while you're, while you're speaking. I'm just writing down notes, man. This is great stuff. Um, you said basically go pick a fight, right? And, you said, and I loved it because you're getting the loyalty of the customer right? in the process. You said, okay, they hate, they hate soda. So you're like, ah, oh, it's common, common, common sense. But it's easy to say how oh, soda is bad for you, all this stuff. So the customer is like, yeah, absolutely. Wow, this guy's on my side. And you're you're picking a fight basically with something so big, right, that it's it's not going to really – no one's going to come after you. Now, in, in, in healthcare right now, all of the headlines, opioids, right? So if I look at the chiros and the physical therapists out there, very few are really picking this fight with the opioids right now. And I'm saying, hey, guys, this is something I would really love them to go after because – your, your customers are going to be loyal to you on that fact that you're actually going against something that's really hurting a lot of people in this country. Listen, this is a really terrible example, but there are people out there on social media right now and they, they're virtue signaling all the time about how great they are. You know, like yeah. um, I'm, I'm against rape, right? People will literally put that in a tweet or in social media. Like who's for it? Like, yeah. I, like I'm, I'm like, like this is insanity that people are so desperate to be liked and to feel connection that they would put something like that out there. Something that's so obvious, something that is so like over the top, like nobody is for that, right? Like nobody's <laughs> for rape. Like I don't understand it. Right. So my point is that that's where we are. And you know why? Because everybody's on their phones and we've lost deeper connections. And so your marketing must have a deeper connection. And I inherently understand this because in every political campaign I've worked on, the candidate has to go out and meet voters. They have to go walk door, you know, walk streets, walk in parades, knock on doors, make phone calls to voters. They have to do town hall meetings. Uh, they have to do debates with voters in attendance. They have to figure all this stuff out. The deep connection is made one-on-one. -on -one. The deep connection is made in a person, you know, a personal connection. Not every business owner can do that. So what is it that we can – I mean the yearning for personal connection is so over the top right now that you must find a way to make a deep connection. I'm suggesting instead of guessing what that is, that you do – you understand your customer base in a way that eliminates all the risk and finds the top biggest draw for that customer to draw them into your business. Sorry about that. You're good, Jim. Yeah, You're yeah. supposed to turn that off, you remember? Um, <laughs> anyway, just uh, but you've got to find what draws them in and what makes them say, yeah, I'm going to invest in that chiropractor, that doctor, and I will be a loyal, you know, loyal patient for life. That's all I think about. So I must find that out. And you can guess it all day long. But you could, and let's just use your example. It absolute could be opioid. 
I don't know what's going on. You're right. Yeah. But what if the data said it was something else? What if the data said it was that there are a lot of bad, like in the opioid world, there are a lot of bad doctors out there. There are a lot of bad actors out there that you are the white knight of all the doctors out there. And you ran ads about the problems that are out there for doctors, doctors going to jail, uh, patients don't know who to trust. And I'm that doctor. And then you have third-party validators. Look, the Wharton School of Business came out with a study recently that said 50% of customers are making their purchasing decisions based on third-party validation. So reviews. You know, every doctor out there uh, can, you know, ask their patients for five-star reviews. Good. I mean, all these things. These don't. This does not cost money, right? Um, uh, patient val- third-party validation patient referrals. This is what is driving conversions at a higher rate than we've ever seen in the history of our country because it's not because the availability is out there. It's because no one is making real deep connections anymore. And so doctors know how important bedside manner is, and that's what your marketing should be. I I love every aspect about that. And once again, sorry for that. My computer is connected to my phone. So it was just going off and thought the phone was off, but the computer was still on. So that's good to know. <laughs> but look, I love the fact that we talked about the one-on-one connection where, you know, especially in healthcare, it's a huge benefit when we have, I think in healthcare, we have a leg up in most of the marketing world, right? We already know the client. We know the patient very well, right? We've made a relationship with that patient because we're dealing with something so personal to that person, right? So obviously we they have the data there. They just don't realize it. Um, the other thing I want to touch on, I just want to touch on two more things. I know we're, we're uh, on press one time. So the two more things I want to touch base on, you mentioned to think like an underdog. And I, and I love this because most small practice owners, they are the underdog, right? They're, they're not the huge hospitals. They don't have the funding to do massive marketing uh, on billboards and all these things, which I'm completely against. But still, they believe that they can't keep up, that they can't do it. How can how can thinking like an underdog really help them? And that's that's where I want to go with that, because I think these small practice owners, I think they have a huge advantage and they don't realize it. Well, they do, because uh, everything that's big right now, right, all the big companies, the big pharma, like everything is being demonized. So if you're the underdog, you there is already a built in bias among patients in the world right now for uh, a bias against big. You may want to be big. That's good. Go for it. Hell, my name of my company is Go Big Media and Win Big Media. I'm all for it. <laughs> but my point is, is that we have demonized big in this country. I'm a little bit of an outlier. I don't care. So but my point is, if you can use your marketing to say, uh, ho- you know, homegrown, family oriented, like these things, like we're not, you know, this is what, when I talk about, you know, sort of the comparative advertising, this is the kind of stuff that you could be using, especially if the data says it, but it's, you know, we, we don't treat you like one of those big clinic, uh, doctors, you know, big doctors clinics. Uh, we're not shoving you out and there is no, you know, here's a great thing. Um, I was at the Mayo Clinic. I have uh, some health issues and they literally have about, you know, five minutes they can spend with you. They literally have like a shot clock, you know, that they can spend with you. They have to see a hundred patients a day. Ooh, geez. So 
how much care are they giving me? And that's not the doctor's fault. That's the rules they have to live by. So you have the ability as being the underdog is saying, I'm the anti five minute rule. I sit down with my clients, Mike, you know, and then you have a third party validator that comes in. My point in the comparative advertising or comparatizing, I keep calling it, um, is you punch up, you win every time. If you're number one in your market, I'm sure there are a couple of them here listening right now that are. If you're the top dog and you're big, you cannot punch down. If you punch down, you're going to lose every time. And we see that in politics. If you bully, other than Trump's a total outlier, so take him out of the picture. But if you bully someone that is in, you know, not as defensible, you'll lose every time. And so that's why the underdog has, the, has more advantages in the kind of things we're talking about right now than anybody else. Yeah, and, and I completely understand how Trump is the outlier. Growing up in New York, we've seen some of uh, his antics from, from when I was a kid, to be honest with you. But to, just, in a, again, not being political at all, but looking at the marketing aspect of this, how is that? That could be a great book for you in the future, too, how, Trump, how Trump's marketing is, uh, is working well, right? But how, how is that being an outlier also beneficial? Like if they are a, a health practice and they are big and they're like, listen, I already have a hundred clinics, but I, you know, obviously I can't punch down, but you know, we still have to meet payroll. We still have to do this. Our profit margin is very narrow. How can we leverage marketing if we are the big guys? Yeah. You have to find your lane that is completely different than everybody else and distinguish yourself. I'll give you an example. Um, I'm on your podcast right now. I am calling all, out all business marketers for their unethical behavior. And I'm the guy that does politics. Think about how stupid that is, <laughs> how ridiculous that is. But it's true. One, it's not a lie. It's absolutely true. How many people, Joe, how many other political marketers have you had on your show or you've heard on other podcasts that help businesses? I'm going to say you're the only one that I know of. Great. That's why I, I, I picked a lane and said, there's nobody out here doing this. It's the honest and right thing to do. I'm an outlier uh, and I'm going to do I'm going to come in and disrupt an industry that's unethically treating their their clients. And I would say the same thing for any other business out there, whether they're the top dog or the underdog. Figure out the way your business is completely different than everybody else and all and go out there and market to to being the outlier in that industry. And Phil, this is a great segue to the next question. The next question is basically, you mentioned being innovative. And, you know, and one of my mentors, you should always talk about, you know, doing some thinking time and spending time and trying to figure out if you have the right question, you can really figure a few things out. And, you know, a few years back, I, during that thinking time, I came up with a model for my one of my practices that made it, you know, grow about 300x. And that was the very simplest concept was, hey, who, who do we who do we really cater towards? And it happened to be young athletes. And I said, why are we doing everything else when we should just concentrate on young athletes? And it just changed the way we did business, right? So, and I've shared that story multiple times uh, in the past on my, in my show, but how do you see the, a practitioner today or a business owner today could get that innovation? Like where would they look for it? How can they, you know, cause you know, every day they're working every day, they punch a clock or they're trying to just keep their business afloat or, you know, any of the above dealing with staff, how, where do they find time to be innovative and what's an easy way for them to say, okay, this should be something I test out. Well, I think the, uh, there's, I'll recommend a, a, a 
book uh, it's by Ned Hallowell, Hallowell. It's called Driven to Distraction. Um, and for me, that was the book that really set the, the tone uh, and helped me figure that question out. And the reason it did is in a very basic way, it helped me understand how my brain worked. And that because it, you know, because, and by the way, Ned and uh, our mutual friend, Jay Abraham are good buddies, but um, Ned uh, basically said, you know, find out when your brain is on fire, find out when your brain goes uh, and, and is, you know, depleted and figure out what you need to do in those time periods during the day. Well, for me, my brain is on fire from four in the morning to about 11 in the morning. So it is when I'm analytical. It's when I write. It's when I read. It's when I study. It's when I'm a business owner. And what, you know, I typically after 11, I have time where I'm like, I start going a little downhill, right? I get tired. And so what do I do? That's when I schedule all my client phone calls. That's when I have staff meetings because that one-on-one conversation, it completely engages me and keeps my energy levels high. But the bottom line is if you're out there running all these clinics and you've got to ask yourself a simple question, are you a business owner or are you a business operator? There are things that I operate in my business, but I carve out two to three hours every single day to study, to learn, to get better in my business, not just in the business, but on the business. And it sounds easy, right? Everybody's, oh, it's just easy for you to say that. No, like I was an operator for 12 years until, you know, Tony Robbins has a great, you know, he's the one that posed that question. Are you a business operator or owner? The only way you scale a business is to become a business owner. And the only way to do that, right, is to work with great consultants like you or they got to work in their business and, and think about what they need to do to innovate and grow. And that is the reason when I say we've grown my uh, political marketing agency, 25,000% in less than five years. That's an absolutely true number. And I have no debt and I have no outside investors. And the reason we 10X our corporate marketing agency in the last year with no outside investment and no debt is because I work every day on my business. I love it, Phil. And, you know, it's one of those things, again, a great segue to, to the last part of this is, you mentioned that, you know what, you, you were the operator for 12 years. And I, I bet you've have some stories of when shit has hit the fan. But you, seriously, you've pushed through and you've got you've come to the other side, right? And uh, you mentioned Ned as well. I actually did a course with Ned uh, way back when. It was uh, his ADD course. And again, uh, awesome course. It, it was The people I met there were amazing, right? It made me think as a healthcare practitioner that, hey, it's okay if someone doesn't I mean, do well in school, right? Say if they fail all their classes, it doesn't mean they're just going to end up, you know, it, it, with a shitty job in the future. You never know what's going to happen to them, it, but they have to keep going, right? So mm-hmm. how, how do you think these doctors at this point are feeling They're like, all right, what, what's my next step? W- what can they do, Phil, that you can say, hey, let's let's start here. This is what you need to do. If they're struggling right now, looking at their practice like, Joe, uh, Phil, I am working 60 hours a week. I am the operator. You know, I can't find the end in sight. You know, the only way I'm retiring is if I if I die. You know, that's that's kind of the comments I get sometimes, as, as sad as that may seem. And we have to build up, you know, a structure for them. But wh- what can we say to them right now that can hit, put them in the right direction? Yeah, uh, and it's a, it's a great question. Um, look, I can tell you how to do your marketing. And I would say the first step is if you have a marketing company you're working with, 
uh, take the seven lies, go to them and sit them down and point each one out and say, figure out which one they, which lie that they are selling you and reverse engineer it like the long-term contract. You should demand that every contract be month to month with a marketing firm. And if they say no, that's all you need to know. They're not putting you first. So first of all, you need to get the house in order. And then second, uh, when you want to launch a real marketing campaign, work with marketing agencies that use data first. Because here's what happens. The data does not lie. The data tells us what those customers think and feel. I'm not making it up. I'm not sitting around a conference room with a business owner going, let's have a brainstorm session, all the great things we can do for you. That's BS. That's a lie. That That is just happy talk. I'm in for growth. And so you must reverse engineer the game of marketing so that you win first as the business owner. You must use data. I can't explain this enough. If you're total, If you're out there right now kind of confused and want a checkup on whether you're doing things right, whether you can improve things, whether your marketing agency is taking advantage of you. I put together for free for people that like listen to these podcasts, a free five minute marketing audit. Uh, you can go to philipstutz.com backslash audit. You can probably, Joe, you'll probably have it in your show notes. Yep. And it's literally takes you five minutes 25, uh, 25, we'll, we'll have a 25 point checklist. We, all you do is fill out your publicly available digital footprint and we don't take anything. We don't, you know, and we can come back to you and say, we can find all these either holes, things you can improve, or if you're doing things really well, or your marketing agency is actually doing things well, we'll tell you that too. Um, and so that's a free offer for your listeners, but that's a, another way that they could get started. Absolutely. That is awesome stuff. And thank you so much for that, for the listeners. I think that's something they have to check out right away. And we'll make sure we add that to the show notes. Uh, Phil, is there a question I didn't ask that you think I should have asked that would have, that can help my audience? No, you, you do a really good job. I love the pod and I like your mission and uh, it's about service to others. And that's the bottom line and the people you surround yourself with. And I'm very grateful to be surrounded by people that care and give more than they take. And it's taught me a lot. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Uh, you embody that. And so this has uh, been a real pleasure and a real honor. Absolutely. Phil. I appreciate that. Appreciate all the comments and the, the flattery will get you everywhere, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> that, that works. Trust uh, me. I wouldn't say it if you didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so guys, make sure you pick up the book, fire them now. Uh, do we have a website where you, do you direct people to, to get the book or is it on Amazon? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a philipstutz.com. It's on Amazon. It's on iTunes. It's at Barnes and Noble. It's on that one thing I did not do that. I wish I had done now is I did not record it. Uh, but I will have the second book out in about a year and, uh, that will have a, we'll have a, we'll have that on audio. You know, the fu funny you should say that I actually took one of my old books and I decided to record it. And even though being a podcaster, I got to tell you, it is one of the most painful things I've ever done. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah. My publisher came to me a couple of weeks ago and I said, you know, I should have done an audio recording of the book. I don't know why I didn't. I just, you know, and they said, well, here's the deal. You can do it um, in the, with your second book, but we are going to recommend you do not do it yourself. And I go, really? I would think you would want my voice. Cause I can tell the stories in the way I want to tell them. And they said, trust me, everybody that does it 
says they'll never do it again. And I said, good. I listened to good advice. I'll never do it. I won't do it. I'll just have someone else. do it. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I should have taken, I should, I wish I talked to them from before I did it, but it was the most painful experience of my life. I can't tell you how many retakes and sounds and, you know, I have a New York accent. So there's times that they're like, now nah, we didn't, we don't understand what you said there. And I'm like, Oh God damn it. <laughs> so it, it's, it's one of those, uh, painful, painful, but, uh, yeah, have somebody else do it, buddy. Or, you come in for a couple of uh, maybe one or two chapters. That's it. <laughs> uh, so once again, everyone, make sure you check up philipstutz.com. Um, his, his contact, is your contact information on there as well, Phil? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And you can email me on that on the website. Uh, all my socials are on there. The audit's on there. And it'll link to where you can buy the book on Amazon and all that stuff. Yeah, and as people know, I only I, I share people that have gone through it, that have the best of the best. And, and again, uh, I praise this book because it went with a very different angle than everyone else. And it's basically you're very giving, right? You gave the angle for anyone, any business owner. But as we speak to healthcare practitioners, Guys, you can change the game just by doing at least three out of the five steps in this thing. You don't even have to do all five, right? So, again, Phil, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolute pleasure. And, uh, we, you know, I'm going to, as the emails and letters come in, I'm going to make sure I direct some of them your way so you can see the love the audience shares for you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Awesome. So, everyone listening, take care, and we'll talk to you soon.